Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Euphoria Podcast. It's season seven, episode seven. We're just coming off of week six of the LEC, and oh, it's been crazy. It's been up and down. As always, we're available on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud. I heard of you last week. People are mixing it up. They're trying other platforms. Keep it going, folks. Mix and match. Mix and match. Go <laughs> to it on Spotify while watching on YouTube with it muted. <laughs> <laughs> keep, keep it fresh. See if you can sync up the Spotify with the video so that the lips match, or it's slightly off. Well, I don't know. Whatever whatever keeps it interesting for you at home. Mix um, it up. Uh, as a side note, before we get started with the podcast proper, Kazel and I have been casting a ton on LEC Broadcast, and we've been receiving a lot of very positive feedback. So I just want to say thank you to everyone who has reached out, who, is, who said that they like our duo, whether that's in Reddit comments, whether that's in YouTube comments, or, or anywhere else, or if it's personally dms on twitter or instagram thank you to everybody who does that it's it's super cool it means a lot to have people be like yo these guys are dope like yeah. we see we see every message even if we don't respond to every message and it's it's really really cool so thank you all for that yeah i get so many dms and stuff saying like you guys are my favorite duo like i love it so much you guys synergy is so cool and yeah we're trying our best i think we're doing so many like uh, reviews together and trying to find ways to be unique and different and try to try loads yeah. of different things i think it's really really cool i think yeah and try to elevate it so yeah it's also, only been six weeks as well so. i know it's coming it's We're coming together nicely year. dude it's coming together <laughs> nicely i'm really i'm really stoked on it but um aside from us we have some good news for everybody at home now most of you have probably seen this but if not a announcement trailer Dun, dun, came out dun. phil's gonna play it in the background and we're gonna narrate it for you um if you haven't seen this already you can you can check it out it's on the wall esports twitter but it's a uh, i don't want to spoil it so we'll just we'll just play it and we'll we'll narrate it for you and tell you exactly what's happening we've got dramatic shots of the outdoors ice cold the battleground is set it reads across the screen as we see scenic shots of an icy frozen landscape that none of us would go out into and leave the world through our home but that's not what's important because it is our most epic setting since the video for our most epic showdown oh what's coming oh, you gotta be wondering there's so much outside are the gamers gonna go outside it's Reykjavik Reykjavik Iceland that's probably not how I pronounce it but we have to know <laughs> who murdered. is gonna break out <gasps> pictures of showmaker oh, pictures of tactical reckless oh there's so many players who I haven't seen before MSI 2021 folks it's happening it's shiny it's beautiful it's in a frozen tundra that is Iceland that none of us will go out into even if we go because it's too cold but we will sit inside in the warmth of Iceland and stream msi for the world we'll have a nice view do you know what will be super epic is if you know like those mountains. i don't know if we're going side note players will be there yeah to do the thing yeah do you know how epic it would be if those like mountains or like a frozen tundra and the piece the, the stage was there like yeah. in the outdoors like so that's every, the thing is like <laughs> ever so since funny. cb law broadcast yeah, from the top of a skyscraper yeah. i feel like we should have more dramatic settings like they should be, them. yeah suspended above mountains like held up by like airships you know what i mean that's for the 5v5 yeah in the middle of like a frozen lake or something and then the losing team just falls <laughs> I don't miss OGN often, but this is the one time I miss OGN because OGN is the kind of production that would like try to suspend people from an airship yeah, to have dude, them play League of Legends. We need to take it to the next level. LEC. <laughs> LEC. Spring summer finals. We got to figure it out. On team. top of... How do we suspend people from airships? Uh, you got an airship? No, I don't know. I just really like... I'm, I'm really stuck on this airship <laughs> thing. I think it's really cool. I don't know why. And then like in the air, there's like a massive screen. <laughs> so if you're on the ground, you can look up and watch it at the same time. Like a live viewing yeah but covid safe oh we could just do it just to get a giant screen across like an entire city so even if we can't like have people in an arena or whatever they can just look up and see and watch from their houses that'd be sick that'd be really sick all right we're working on it lolly sports hit or, me and cage yeah. if you guys need fresh ideas <laughs> um anyway so the, the even the more exciting thing is not only that msi is happening and us of course europe as the reigning msi champions because we were holding on don't, to that yeah, don't forget that reigning, yeah, MSI. reigning msi champions five of which are still in europe perks left promise cues on astralis now but the other four are still on g2 um so you know we'll see if we can we've still got a full team there time for the the back-to-back if g2 can come out on top let's hope that it's at least back-to-back for europe but we're again we'll see changes to the format though are the big news and i think this is the most exciting thing if you've been following msi the msi format always felt kind of a bit lackluster compared to worlds because it was a shorter tournament mm -hmm. but now they've upgraded the format so instead of the play-in stage there's now three phases i'll start with phase three because it's the one you're going to know top four group uh top four bracket stage best of five blah 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 exactly the same phase two six teams best of one games okay again exactly the same double round but robin. double round robin phase one is where it's crazy no longer do we have a play-in to find the final two teams or whatever for for msi we now have all 12 teams starting at the same time so there's no more plans all teams are playing together at the same time it'll be three groups of four 
also double best of one mm-hmm. round robin. So now you're going to immediately get to see the SKTs, the you know the Damwon Gamings, the or Damwon Kias, they're known now. All of the teams, all the best teams in the world, playing from the start up against a lot of the lesser known teams. And I think this is so much cooler for for everyone because imagine you're like from CB Wall, right? Mm-hmm. And you come in, and you're like, I'm ready to play Faker. And you're like against some dude from the LCL who also just wants to play Faker. And now you guys are fighting to the death to play Faker. Like, no, that's not fun. Like, just go play Faker. That sounds dope. Like, you deserve your shot. You made it this far. So, as a spectator. If only Faker made it, though. (laughs) Think about it, though. Think about it. Anyone can get kaboomed now. It's not just maybe like Damwon. Maybe Damwon Kia just gets kaboomed. Kaboomed. Is that now a verb? (laughs) Kaboomed is now a verb. Everyone knows what kaboomed is. Yeah, Europe was the first one to suffer the hand of the kabooms. Um, Yeah. They took us out. I think it's I think it's dope. I'm really excited. Was that, wasn't that at Worlds though? Um, Kaboom was at Worlds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not but I guess the cool thing about this MSI is I think the the best regions. So I guess like EU, uh, Korea, LPL will be spread across the groups. I would imagine. Yep. And at then, first. And then the the most interesting part to me is the phase two. Like all six teams in one group, double round robin, best of ones. That sounds lit. Like G2 Damon back to backs. Uh, you know, throw I don't know EDG in there. Perhaps it's it's gonna be nutty. It's actually it's gonna it's. I'm so. That's excited. like a super league. It's like it's like a super league of all the all the world's leagues together. Six yeah. teams. Oh, that's gonna be crazy. And I was honestly, I didn't really expect to have MSI. To be honest, like it, yeah. it, it, it from even seeing things from the inside, I know it's like such a, a nightmare to plan anything in the midst of a pandemic. It's already hard to plan international events. So shout out to the entire team who's making MSI happen. Uh, much appreciation for the events team, everyone who's organizing that, who is figuring out how to get people yeah. to Iceland. Logistically, logistically nightmare. Excited for the tournament. Good job on the format. Uh, I'm excited for more. Wouldn't have minded seeing more best of threes, maybe as an alternative to best of ones. But I respect that. Uh, Whenever you're planning a tournament format, you have to consider so many things. So, mm. still think this is this is pretty dope. Yeah, I wonder if there's like one point in the world which is an equal distance from every single region, <laughs> so the ping is the same for everyone, so it's a fair tournament. No, no, they're flying there. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying in the future. <laughs> it's like, please don't. No, I'm saying in the future. Everyone, they're going to Iceland. <laughs> <I'm> saying, <laughs> no, in the future. You just have like the servers in Antarctica, then everyone has the same ping maybe or something. I don't know. Yes, the 300 ping League of Legends experience. <laughs> all are equal in how shitty the experience is. <laughs> you just watch them all playing super try hard on 300 ping. And the, okay. All right. You're not allowed to plan ID. You're not uh, allowed to make tournaments. Yeah, my logistics are not that great, are they? <laughs> no. But you know what you are good at, Cadrill? You're good at telling me when... League of Legends play meets certain specific requirements. Yours, and, yours last, yours yesterday were shocking. Ooh, shockingly bad or shockingly good? I was watching Vedius and uh, Dracos Yasuo Yone Brotherhood <laughs> in the rift, just <laughs> griefing me. <laughs> we just we wanted to be Naruto and Sasuke, and if he pushed his alt button, I had to push my alt button afterwards. Are you, you ready? Don't, you ready? Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay. We never <laughs> once hit a wombo combo. So first, was that a legal gameplay? It was disturbing. <laughs> I mean, I can't really talk. My Fiora was 0-10 and I was solo killed three times. The second times. you say the words, get ready for my Chinese super server Fiora, we're doomed. The game is already over. Yeah, I really thought my Fiora would be good, but it really wasn't. Yeah. Well, luckily for the fans at home, it's surprisingly hard for us to get clips of our own play. Not that they'd want to see it. They have opportunities to do that enough on personal streams. But I, I have three clips for you today, Cadrill. All right, let's take a look at clip one. I'm going to narrate and then you can tell me what happens afterwards. So this is the level one that we witnessed between Fnatic and Astralis. Promise Q hits his Morgue Binding, but then immediately gets engaged on, losing almost all of his health to the Rel Kaisa combo and living at one HP. Okay. Now, Cadrill, this is a cornucopia of things that you could call illegal. Is it the fact that Promise Q lives on one HP? Yeah. Is it the fact that he gets engaged on level one and almost instantly dies, losing just about all lane pressure in a Kate Morgana lane? Like, what stands out to you is particularly egregious here ignoring the the continuing clip at this point so i think the first part for me is when you play a range support match been bought into a melee champ you always have to go level one into the bush to ward and then sit in that bush and then you control the lane right so that when the wave comes you can push it and they can't get in the bush the reason hillisang being in the bush at the start is completely illegal i have to say that that's not allowed the melee support is not allowed to have bush control when you're playing a range matchup especially seeing as you haven't warded second thing is you walk up to get engaged on by the, the melee support and then get flipped like the rel did to him which is also illegal. And then him living on one HP was also illegal. So there's a lot of like illegal <laughs> stuff going on there, uh, I must say. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Fnatic just kind of punished them for not setting up the lane properly. Um, so yeah, if you're ever playing a range support versus a mini support, level one, you right click bot lane bush, you put a ward on the last bush and you sit in the bush until they walk up. If they don't walk up, you push the lane. 
Yeah, and for context, if you missed this game, this is Astralis Fanatic. This was kind of the last game of of day one, and we were pretty stunned to see a Caitlyn Morgana lose so much early yeah. on. But like level one feels like the best opportunity. Now, the good news if you're an Astralis fan is that level three, level four, Kate Morgana got the pressure back for the most part, mm -hmm. and they did die in a dive. But while it wasn't super successful, it got mostly better from here yeah from the laning but phase. the, the caitlin morgana has to stomp the lane like when you pick caitlin morgana you're literally saying we're gonna go you're literally looking at the bot lane and saying we're gonna go 40 cs up your tower is gonna fall and you're gonna have to find a way to cheese us and hillisang's looking and at you hillisang going, found the cheese <laughs> in the first 10 <laughs> seconds looking at you going i will cheese you you will die this will not happen <laughs> it wasn't even cheese he just walked up to him and flipped him and <laughs> got his flesh yeah and credits yeah. to upset and hillisang infinitely i mean hillisang especially right upset obviously always a solid contributor in these yeah. but like hillisang is just and this man never ceases to find an he, angle he always only only right clicks forwards it's the only way you yeah. can only go forwards and the thing is if you lose your summoners as caitlin morgana in the first minute of the game you can't push for five minutes so that sucks it's brutal. Yeah. Of course, the game went from bad to worse when we saw later in the game Astralis going for the absolute desperation Baron. Yeah. And uh, keep in mind, they've got five members stacked. Everyone's raring to go. But Zanzara doesn't have smite. And so what does our boy self-made do? He wanders over the pit. Baron goes down to like 200 HP. And then the back half of Graves' Q steals the Baron as Niski, who's currently splitting bot lane as Rise, manages to take the base again if you haven't seen this game it is a kind of almost so crazy that it's hilarious um and one of my favorite games of the week we had a lot of actually really good compelling games this week but this one was just so so random and so all over the place this was super weird like zanzar didn't have smite but they got it to almost 1.5 khp so that's the first mistake second mistake is he even failed the smite, so someone could have noticed. They had about a one-second time frame to be like, oh, Baron's 300 HP, finish it. Uh, and yeah, no one zoned him away. So the fact that he was actually able to walk up in towards the pit to get to the wall, jump over, and then finish the Baron, I think, yeah, completely legal, I have to say. I think Shen could have taunted over the wall and zoned him away. Uh, maybe someone could have stepped out of the pit and just ran around and killed him. Um, but yeah, that sucks for Astralis. I mean, if they got that Baron, I think they would make a comeback and the game would be even, but... Uh, yeah, they lost the Baron, then they lost their Nexus, so <laughs> you hate to see it. <laughs> yeah, it was actually brutal. I mean, like, yes, it was. that was a difficult week for Astralis. Definitely one of the more difficult games. Interestingly, Fnatic after immediately, like, having, I think, I don't want to say the luck on their side. Like, it's still a good steal by self-made, but definitely yeah. a ridiculous steal. Uh, things kind of turned against them. But the thing is, when it comes to 50-50 smites, Zanzara started the Baron without smite, knowing that self-made didn't know that he had no smite, right? So in self-made's brain... Zanzar has smite. So the smite fight becomes a lot more of a mental game when only one person has smite because you think both have smite, but they don't. So when self-made flashed over, I think he's trying to make him smite first. It's all a mental game, you see. Because when someone flashes into the pit, you're like, oh, I have to smite now. And then when you do, they smite it away. And then sometimes they don't smite and then they fail. And yeah, it's a really complicated thing, 50-50s. It's not just a coin flip, but yeah. It's like very high pressure rock, paper, scissors. Yeah. Like you don't actually get to decide <laughs> when it goes. So at some point, someone just says one, two, three, and you just instantly have to be ready yeah. to like throw down, yeah. throw hands. What is it going to be? Rock, paper, scissors. Um, dang. So sadly for Fnatic, as much as they really got to look like total gods in this game with that final play... Uh. Eh, relatively. Yeah, relatively. Yeah, it was yeah. still a bit of a messy game, all things yeah. considered. A little bit back and forth. And credit to Astralis for keeping it as close as they did. Um, it went downhill when we look at the second clip where we're reminded that Olaf is a champion that is allowed to exist in League of Legends. The 704 Yankos is collapsed on by Whippo and Niski. And while he drops down to almost no health, what you witness is him proceeding to right-click both members simultaneously into a double kill. No Gore Drinker, mind you. It's just Stridebreaker. He heals through everything. He kills two members of Fnatic. And this was the moment, if you're a Fnatic fan, I think watching this game, that you're like, okay, no, yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> uh, yeah, jungle roll. I mean, he is 7-0, so any other roll would have done that. But uh, I think he had Stridebreaker random in his Bramble Vest, so he didn't actually have that much damage, just a Stridebreaker. But when Niski dashed in, he died in two seconds max. Um, I won't call this illegal because... That game was in a losing state for Fnatic. G2 hadn't based yet. There was a ward behind Yankos. Both of them TP'd, so it was a good play. And Yankos was a thousand gold bounty, right? So if Azir got that shutdown, yes, you're like almost 10k down. But maybe you can wave clear for a little bit more. Um, so I wouldn't say that's illegal. I would just say um, good idea, good concept play. I like it a lot. But uh, yeah, jungle roll is too OP. Both solo laners, 1v2, dead. Yeah. Easy clap. How do you feel about Yone, Yone top? 
yeah, I was doing a review for this game and I was thinking to myself, what would be better? I think GP would have been much better pick or some kind of frontliner because the enemy team has Jin, which struggles to kill frontline. And then you have Kalista Azir, which would be a really good backline. But then, yeah, the, the Yone top, I think Whippo said it on a stream a few times. People were saying on Reddit that he thinks Yone is the hardest counter to Gragas in top. Uh, didn't look like it, I must say. But you have to attribute that to the level 3 gank maybe and him falling behind. So yeah, I have to see more from it, but I'm not convinced. It's definitely <laughs> tough because also for those of you, again, if you haven't seen this game, this is absolutely the game that you have to watch despite it being overall a pretty G2 favored Fnatic versus mm -hmm. G2 battle. Um, Wonder had a pop-up performance on Gragas. It looked super, super good. And I guess I can get that like their team was already pretty, um, had a re was relatively AD heavy, right? Because I mean, you had the Azir already in the mid lane that was your main source of magic damage which is usually enough but i guess maybe like maybe split damage makes it yeah. hard for gragas to itemize because you got your yone and you got your magic sword and your normal sword i don't really know yeah they had a little bit of lily on that too didn't they so you got third third q's really strong w's really strong i guess i mean i can see the logic i can but... see the logic in winning the lane but i but... feel like in team fights you have to basically solo carry the fights but why do you have to solo carry if you i mean yone, yone always hits that point where you're like two items where you just get to alt into the back line and one shot an AD carry and go mm -hmm. back out, which is really nice. But on the downside, it takes forever to get there because Yone is not a champion. Yone is not a champion who loses gracefully, in my experience. You go from like really feeling like you can do stuff in trades to dying once and then being like, ha I don't do any damage. Yeah, I mean, in solo queue, Yone is a terror. And even in that game, Whippo actually like solo killed Caps a couple times, almost turned a Drake fight by himself. So I can see the theory behind the pick, but... Yeah, not convinced yet. I think I would like to see something like a GP because that would just make it so much easier for your carries to be able to fight. Yeah. Um, our last clip comes from, I think, I've, I've said this for every game now, so it's kind of diminished the effect, but probably actually 100% my favorite game of the week. Really super cool. This is the Hex Flash flank from Treats in SK versus Mad coming in from Fog of War as Alistair in a massive gold deficit to instantly find a couple picks, to instantly win a fight treats yet again finding these clutch angles and honestly sk as a whole collapsing super super well to just win a fight that they had absolutely no business winning in any circumstance other than the perfect perfect to fight. get a five for zero ace when you're 5k gold down with no vision is like the most mind-blowing thing in league of legends that's like clutch factor right there so yeah uh, it's illegal in the sense that that should never happen, but like <laughs> honor treats, man. Just give this guy everything. Instantly. Like he just solo carried the game for them with one play, and you have to respect it. I mean, the thing is, you have to understand that when you're losing the game, if you just sit there and do nothing, you're just gonna slowly bleed out against a good team. Yes, some teams might make a mistake and throw, but Mad Lions is not one of those teams, I think, right now. Yeah. So you have to flip it a bit, which is my favorite thing. Just give it a little bit of a flip, and treats. It's like, hmm, they're both running in this direction. I don't have any vision anymore, but I think they're around here. He's holding his hex flash. He's like, yeah, they're probably right there. Boom, knock up. Oh, we got two kills. Oh, we killed them all. <laughs> Ace. And then they won the game from that. So, um, yeah. This man's playing Battleship. He's just out there taking shots. Yeah. A4. People <laughs> playing Sudoku on the map. He's playing chess, baby. <laughs> <laughs> He's on it. Yeah, insane game from Treats. Um, and overall, I think really cool. Sucks, sucks for Mad. Because I think, again, this is a team that is competing for top four spots right now. It's like Rogue, G2, who have both qualified for playoffs. If you're not keeping up, they are now secured and locked. Not locked top two, but locked into playoffs. I had Mad Lions third in my predictions. So, uh, <laughs> please win the next week. Yeah, predictions are a little rough right now. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. Misfits coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh no 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 none of us have misfits if you notice on it the playoffs predictions are behind us to recap before we go to our next segment i have g2 in first place rogue in second mad lions in third sk fourth fanatic fifth shalka sixth ender has g2 rogue uh, fanatic mad lions shalka sk Cadrel has rogue first g2 second that's his bold prediction mad lions third fanatic fourth sk fifth and shalka sixth so within the span of a single week of us making predictions everything is potentially going to be upended i think no one is going to get anything right if if i lose this bet by being wrong on everything and you only get both points for g2 being first and then you both win with one point and i'm zero i'm gonna be but only, only person can only one person can win in the end Remember that. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah. So what happens if it's a draw in, in terms of points? Maybe we flip it, as you do. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Good choice. We'll have to find out. We're going to get a chance to talk about all the teams currently tied, fighting for that last playoff spot, Excel, Misfits, and Schalke. But before we do that, we need to sit down and talk to the members of SK Gaming that are popping off, that are doing work every week. Today, it's going to be Treats and Tinks. We'll find out about their clutch factor. We'll find out about jungle support synergy and the league. And how the heck a team that feels like it's mostly rookies, even though some of them aren't technically rookies, yeah. um, is rising so rapidly in the LEC. All right, it's our distinct pleasure now to be joined by two members of 
the currently tied third best team in the LEC, SK Gaming, Treats and Tinks joining us. Gentlemen, let's go, let's get you with the cliche post-game interview question first. How how does it feel to be <laughs> third place? To be absolutely <laughs> smurfing on so many different teams. What's what's the general vibe in the SK team right now? Well, I can start. I mean, obviously it feels really good. Uh the atmosphere has been good the entire split, even when we're losing. So I think now that we're just picking up a lot of wins, it obviously just feels better. But we're still motivated and like focused on playoffs. Uh, so I think the regular season like feels good to win, but it's not the end goal for sure. Like at least for me, it's kind of funny because it's the teams we've been looking up to for so long. You know, we've kind of been playing a bit underneath them, so it's kind of fun to just finally get a chance to play the LEC and then you know actually beating them and having like a high standing feels really good. Yeah, I have to imagine because you're you you tanks are a guy that I've been watching like fight for you know for a long time to get in. You were you were the yeah. Graves King before <laughs> Graves was meta when everyone played it. You know what I mean? So it's cool to see yeah. to see you get this chance. And the same is definitely true for you treats as well, especially after the stint in NA. But for you, um, tanks specifically, what's what's different about this SK environment that that like stands out to you when it comes to success? Is this has this been a standard kind of team experience for you? Show up, scrim, do your work, do your reviews, etc. Like what has actually been different? That has allowed this to be so so successful. I think everyone on SK, like the players especially, are really happy to say what's on their mind and not really be too scared to essentially flame or like blame someone, like for the sake of improvement rather for the sake of bringing people down. So it's just an environment where people are just really happy to share their thoughts and then eventually just fix it. And is that just how your scrim culture works? Or is that something you guys discussed in the offseason? Like, hey guys, when we go through scrims, I just want you guys to be blunt, be honest, tell me what you think, and we'll improve as fast as possible, or do you just come out naturally? We, we talked about it first of all, like we kind of wanted it to go that way. So it was more planned than just like naturally, but it's something that I think Jesse is really good at like handling because he can kind of be the middle ground between like, imagine two players are really like clashing, then Jesse would come in and be like, yo, it actually works like this or like we need to fix it in this way. So it just came from like a sort of willingness and then it just works really well because he is there as well. Treats, how do you feel about that kind of dynamic for having a coach rather than be, and maybe Jesse is this too, but having a coach kind of be a moderator for a discussion between players, like allowing to bridge that gap as opposed to being like, I don't know, let's say traditional sports coach where it's like, you're going to do this, you're going to practice this, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to run this. How does, how does that dynamic feel for you as a player? Yeah, I've had a lot of coaches throughout the years. And I think in general, the best coaches are the best moderators. Uh, Jesse does a really good job of this. And he also brings his input, obviously, to the to the argument. But yeah, like Tink said, like the, the dynamic that SK has is a lot of open discussion and open criticism, which I think is obviously really helpful. That's a big difference compared to NA, where it's definitely more like uh, closed in that sense. And people are a bit more scared of flaming each other. But especially in SK, I think uh, all the players and uh, just as the coach is doing a really good job of that. What would you attribute that difference between NA and EU to? Do you think it's people scared of being wrong? Do you think it's more towards egos? Do you think it's more of just getting scared, scared of getting into arguments? Because I know, for example, in EU scrim culture, it's really normal for two players to get a heated argument and then they're just friends after like one hour because they finally came to a conclusion. What do you think the actual reason is behind that? I think it definitely stems from something culturally. I'm not exactly sure how to pinpoint it, but it's definitely something that comes from the culture in NA. I guess it's just more scared in general of hurting someone's feelings or being like uh, very oppressive or like intrusive, I guess. But in EU, I think generally just culture-wise, people are more blunt and just speak their mind. And then if it hurts someone, then it might hurt them in short term, but it gives long-term benefit, right? So mm. I think it's it definitely stems from something culturally, but I'm not uh, too... Too much of an expert to answer that perfectly. <laughs> I think it's fair. I think to not to not have a a, a strong opinion on that because I think mm. that's the instant thing that gets clipped out for the clickbait, and it's like treats flames American culture. <laughs> it's the McDonald's. It's ruining them. You know what I mean? Like, as an American, oh, yeah, I'm like, McDonald's. there you go. Thank you. Like, yeah, yeah. you definitely have enough like knee jerk reactions. I'm, I'm glad that you're not <laughs> adding yours to the mix, even if it would be good for the clickbait. It's the McDonald's. It's the McDonald's. It's the McDonald's. Blame McDonald's. You'd be getting yeah. paid minimum wage. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, come on. Very true. <laughs> easy, easy target, bro. Free shots. Um, yeah. So next, so the next thing I want to talk about is like actually the end game, right? Outside of outside of the performance uh, or the the coaching aspect, outside of the success you guys have seen, in game is really interesting to me, especially for both of your roles for jungle and support. Um, 
you know, two of the roles that are in theory, the most free to move around the map, the most free to influence the map. Um, so I would love to know for, for the topic of jungle support synergy, something we hear a lot about, there's jungle mid synergy, there's jungle top synergy, there's support, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But right now, Cajal and I are very focused on support jungle synergy because mm-hmm. we've seen how it pays off for some teams. How do you guys, and we'll start with your impression, Tinks. Um, how do you guys feel about your synergy as two players that are, for the most part, just starting out together, that are learning and joining, uh, working together on a new team? Like, where would you rate yourself in the scheme of things for jungle support synergy? Obviously, jungle and support is like really important in the game right now and we're obviously quite high understanding so we're obviously not terrible at like playing mid jungle but i think there's definitely a lot we could change and we could improve on coming into playoffs or like hopefully coming into playoffs and a lot of that would probably stem from like how i view the game and hopefully trees and i can find better middle ground and how we want to move around the map and hopefully i can pick up some things from him in that sense um because i think he's been like moving really well so yeah thanks important question is jungle diff support diff? Yes. <laughs> I told you guys. <laughs> I told sure you guys. Of course, well, of course the jungler is going to tell you that jungle diff is support diff. They're not going to say jungle diff is jungle. Why would you put it all on yourself? Uh, the more yeah. blame I can put onto my teammates, the better, basically. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, if I lose, it's trees fall. Let's just put it that <laughs> That's how it They do be like that. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Gidril. I have that one now. <laughs> if, if you don't mind going a little bit more into depth tanks, like what, what do you think that you can learn, can take? Like what is the actual clash in your guys' philosophy or your guys' understanding of the game that you guys are looking to find middle ground on? Is it that you're, is it, are you used to playing a different style of jungle? Are you used to maybe not playing with as active as a support as Streets has been? Like what is it actually that you guys need to come together and improve on specifically? Like I think right now especially the earlier patches it was mainly about like when junglers actually had free time to do something on a map which in case like just imagine that my support doesn't have free time and i have free timer then we kind of need to find a way where we can both meet up or like both do something at the same time which is easier for a jungler to kind of pivot towards the support rather than the support just like straight up leaving lane and like joining the jungler which obviously can happen but it's easier for the jungle to make the first like sort of like hey move in that sense so i think it just comes from like finding more timers for me where it's actually okay to either give up something or like find a tiny bit better timer to to move with him or move it like blue or whatever uh so i think it comes from like that rather than anything else really hmm. and obviously trees can like be the voice of reason in that sense he can be like yo uh here you could actually move to, here you gotta like here i had a good timer for you to move but then and like basically grab my hand and pull me to mid lane whatever you know it can kind of come from that yeah, we were looking at support jungle proximities, I think it was last week. I think SK was more towards Streets' stats pointing that you were always with Jezu, whereas a team like Mad Lions, Kaiser was always with jungle. And now do you attribute that to playstyle in a way where you Treats, you join your jungler with your AD carry? Or is it more you want to be with your AD carry just to make sure he's safe and then you'll join your jungler afterwards? How do you, is that, is that something you actually think about during the, during the game? No, I've never thought like thought of it like that. I think it's more depending on the game and the style of champions that we played. Especially early in the season, we played a lot of really heavy farming junglers. And me and Jesu played a lot of strong lanes. So I think it's natural that Tynx is farming more and we're like playing more 2v2. Mm-hmm. But I think the meta is slowly starting to fade from that. And like playing more for the 3v3 will be important, I think. So I think uh, it's, uh, it's something that me and Tynx are very aware of. And like... In general, stats like tell the truth, right? So it, it is true that for most of the splits so far, we weren't permanently together running around killing people, but more so just playing 2v2 and then things joining us in the bot lane. Uh, but it's something we're thinking about, and I think the meta is starting to change a bit where it will be more, more towards the support and jungle. Are you guys worried at all about if we see another few patches in this direction? Because we're starting to see range supports make a comeback. It's not all across the league in general. Rel is still not so broken. But when Rel gets nerfed, I hope at this point, like, Jesus, this champion is so OP. Come on, how many patches is it going to take? Maybe by playoffs. Who knows? Um, but if we do see more of a shift to the Karmas, the Luxes, we saw Morgana come in from Astralis. Like, are you guys still confident in your strength as a team? Because so many of the games that I've seen have been like, single moments especially from you treats and the bot lane where it's like big flashy play big flashy engage you know punishing someone with that hard cc which feels so much harder to actually do when you're stuck on lux duty karma duty even if lux yeah has her moments for sure with the alt etc like are you guys worried about a shift away from engage supports in the bot lane at all for me at least personally i don't think so Uh, i think uh, it might take some time to adjust as a team to changing styles but we've already 
like play them in scrims. We've already had some success with them in the past, so I think it's it's just something that might take a bit of time, but we're definitely confident. What about what about yeah, you, Tanks? Um, I'm not really too worried either, to be honest. Like I think a lot of the games, even though recent games were like really good, it's also been like kind of his duty in the game to be the first engage. Mm. Um, and I think if that sudden duty like turns onto me or turns onto Yannick, I think we can also like do that job. So I think I'm not really too worried if that happens. And then if you are a good support and you are playing range champions, you're also going to have a lot of impact in lane. Like maybe they're just going to be 30 CS ahead instead and just winning the game that way. So again, like I'm not really too worried. And my question is, how do you find these engages? Like honestly, like first of all, the Alistair one, but then the one against XL where they're playing like Zyra can rise, they're up 2k gold. They're actually going to scale better than you. But then you and Gen X just find these engages. Is it like, how does the communication work with the follow-up? Because you go in, Gen X follows and now if that happens once I'd be like okay maybe they maybe they just clutch the fight but it happened twice in a row was it like okay I'm gonna you build up Meganar I'll go in first you come in second or was it what, what was comms we don't really talk like that I would say it's more like we're looking in this type of area or we're looking at this timer uh, also just in general keeping track of sums is very important I think as a support that's why a lot of engages just look good right because either they have no sums or I know like where they are um, also I think in comparison to when I played in NA, my like filter of like uh, not caring when I engage is very low right now. I, I don't really <laughs> <laughs> like I don't really care what happens when I engage. Like I I know I'm confident in myself and I know it, will, it can turn out good, you know. So I just go and then I just hope for best. Just hope for the best. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's how you have to play as support. I think that's why you see sometimes I just combo in. My team is like uh, very far away. They're in McDonald's somewhere and I just die. But McDonald's ruining NA and EU, <laughs> you know? What can't they destroy? Dude, McDonald's said, yeah. what about Burger King? <laughs> no, wait. We got to be what if McDonald's was, like, considering sponsoring the league and we've just tanked it entirely by just <laughs> no. flaming them? What have we done? Not like this. Um, to, round, to round things out, Tings, I'd love to get your thoughts on this first. You guys obviously have a difficult schedule. It's Fnatic this week. It's, it's G2 Rogue in week eight. Um, who are you like? Who do you think it's most important for you to be, and who do you like? Who do you want to beat the most? You talked a lot about how so many of these teams you're like looking up to. You know, like they were the teams that you admired coming up as a player. But now, now if you want to make playoffs, you have to beat these guys. So like, who's the most important yeah. for you to beat as a team, and also who's the most important for you to beat personally as a jungler? Like, what what victory would mean the most to you? I mean, straight up standing wise, I think it's more important that we beat Fnatic because they're like closer to us. Um, but I feel like that's kind of the boring answer. For sure, it would be more like confidence wise for us to beat either Rogue or G2. I think they're just a tad bit ahead of all the other teams. So beating them would kind of be like breaking a barrier for us into like the top tier rather than just like, as we have been talking a bit about beating the bottom tier teams the most. Mm -hmm. um, so. Standing wise, fanatic, but I really want to take a game of G2 Rogue. <laughs> For sure. Treats, I, I mean, on, on your on your perspective, you've got some opportunities to play against some crazy good supports. Trimby's obviously a rookie, so maybe that bot lane matchup doesn't have quite as much stakes as the other two do, but the Hillisang upset bot lane, you've got the reckless Mickey X bottom lane. Like it feels like you're gonna be playing some opponents who can who can match you in early game playmaking. Are you are you is this like an exciting feeling? Are you nervous that it's all gonna fall apart? How do you feel about uh, about these matchups? No, I mean, as I said before, it's like I I don't really care who I play and I don't really care like how I engage, if that makes sense. I'm just really confident and then like it goes the way it goes, right? Like uh, playing against uh, like uh, Upset Hildesang, for example, they're insanely aggressive in our game last time. We didn't really play a lot of lane. We just forced their sums and then the game was over on a dragon fight. So <laughs> I, I'm just uh, happy and I'm just excited to play. I don't really feel any nerves. Yeah, and if they can beat these teams, imagine... SK goes to Worlds this year. They get in the same group as TSM. The anime <laughs> oh, story yeah. arc comes in. Oh, give it to me. Oh, yeah. Six million dollar versus SK Sport. Oh. <laughs> SK, uh, Reddit's going to love it. To Six million dollars is a lot of McDonald's. That's all I'm saying. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to get in trouble for doing that one too much. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's gentlemen. It's fine. There's always a job there for you. Yeah, thank you, Carol. <laughs> Such a... <laughs> all right uh thank you both for coming on that's all the time that we have today but really excited to to see your team rise and to continue the story kind of of young lec teams in the scheme of things even though you guys have both played for a long time but young in the scheme of lec rise up mm -hmm. i hope that story continues for you guys as you move into playoffs obviously it's still a very tight race but um 
yeah, seriously, good luck in, in the matches to come. Uh, I hope we get to see more insane pop-off games and maybe some more maybe some more duo highlights for both of you. Not just treats coming in from Fog of War, but maybe you guys both coming in <laughs> from Fog of War together. You know what I'm saying? A little, little Gale Force, yeah. Graves Alt, Alistair Hex Flash, like everything together at once. That's that's my Super dream nice at least. <laughs> um, but yeah, good luck. Uh, and we'll see you guys this weekend. Yep. Best of luck. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. And while SK are currently sitting pretty at 8-5, and five, uh, we've got us some teams who are going to be going through a rough, rough couple of weeks. Five games remaining here in the regular season. Misfits, Schalke, Nolfier, and XL all tied at 5-8. and eight. And Cadrell, looking ahead, it's now our job to figure out who's actually going to make it. Who's actually going to come through? Who's actually going to clutch it? I want to start by talking about XL. Now, we've rated them in D tier. And this week was, again, another rough week for Excel, although mm-hmm. there were a few promising moments here and there. We got to take a look at their schedule. They're playing Vitality next week. They're playing Fnatic next week. Not that bad. They've got Rogue, though, Schalke, okay. and G2 in week eight. So it's certainly not, it's a mixed bag, but I would argue that it's not getting easier for Excel. So that's, so I guess the only two arguments there is theoretically, there's two wins possibly in terms of Vitality, Schalke, easier games than G2, Fnatic, Rogue. Yep five games left they're saying at five wins two wins would put them on seven and last last year we had eight wins and we didn't make playoffs so there's a chance they still won't make it with that yeah excel to me has been they came out of the gates with everyone everyone saw it we've mentioned it so many times late game baby excel's all about the late game but ever since they veered away from this late game play style that was working for them in the first few weeks going towards early game harder to execute comps just felt like things fell apart because even this weekend they went back to more scaling right they had like rise zyrakan they had victor mundo things like this that scale well and their game against sk they got all the neutral objectives they were sitting like one or two drakes herald they had a 2k first gold tower for the first time like lead. ever yeah then they just fight the drake completely whiff the whole team fight get five for zero then they lose everything and the game just falls apart from there against the composition of sk which is a single target damage global composition plays over side lanes they got out team fought with a frontline scion, Zyrakan, Rice, you name it, all, I'll give it to you. CC, engage, yeah, yeah. knock up, and everything. Again, Rel, reminder, okay. needs to be nerfed. <laughs> needs to be taken Rel, Rel, the fact <laughs> the, the, the fact that um, Rel can function in the gin lane without any of like the fancy combos or literally any champion synergy at all. Like those two champions, I cannot. The only synergy they have is that Rel goes in and Jin gets to stand back and push alt. Like that's yeah. the only significant moment of interaction that I saw with these two champions. The fact that it keeps working so well is like just a reminder just that Rel support role. We just once a year we get one champion who has just disgustingly broken engage. It was Galio Taunt Flash. It was Recon R Flash W, and now mm-hmm. it's Rel any combination of Flash R and W. Right, Games loves their engage really loves their non-interactive but engage. i feel like yeah i don't know what it is but either their team fights just just way too indecisive on what targets to call like you look at teams like rogue they're going for an engage someone flanks them what comes from behind all five members are instantly turning on them like yeah. in the in the click of a finger whereas excel i feel like they're like oh this guy's here or it's walking up can we hit this guy and what about this and there's no like clear dimension where it's like let's just go forwards i'm flashing in someone just goes in and then everyone follows it so yeah to me excel especially in that sk game really dropped the ball the Misfits game, I just hated their draft. Like, Renekton Mundo? Like, really? Is this, like, really? With a Senatam? Where just, is your damage? It just I feels just, like you're playing full tanks with a Victor scaling, so... I don't I don't know why you're... Like, one, I understand Mundo is very good against magic damage, and especially burst magic damage, right? He's got all the healing in his kit. He's got innate MR gain. He synergizes really well with a lot of the MR items. Like, I understand that. But at the same time, he doesn't have any CC. Yep. And if even if he gets ahead, he kind of just walks at you. He's like, to me, he's like, why would you play Mundo when you could play Olaf? Mm. You know what I mean? Or why would you play Mundo when you could play Udyr, who yeah. also walks at you but has CC? I just think their comp overlaps too much, right? You have Mundo, Senatam, Grievous and Udyr Wounds. Udyr was banned, sorry. So probably yeah. a couple of reasons. Yeah, so Mundo, Senatam, Grievous Wounds counters the whole thing. Senatam loses lane to Ezreal Seraphine, so that's losing. Oriana Victor, Oriana slightly favored, but it's even, I'd say. And then Gragas, Gragas Graves 2v2 versus Renekton Mundo. Like, it's it's winning for Gragas Graves most of the time. So, I feel like their draft was losing across the board. They lacked CC, like you say. And there's just no engage. Like, what's your engage? Is Mundo going to yeah. run at them with Ghost or something, but he has Flash? Is Senna going to land a snare? Like, there's no engage. Um, and there's no poke either. So, it's not like, well, we don't have to engage. We can just poke them out to the Estrial Seraphine Oriana. You don't have that. The enemy team does. So, uh, yeah, to me, XL looks like they're trying to put their hand in too many baskets and like yeah and uh i mean yeah their gold deficits and all these things all these stats 
I don't know how they got their wins. Yeah, obviously it was scaling. So now I'm really confused as to what's their identity because even late game's not working for them. Like this late game comp that they had against SK, like we just mentioned, which were, they were winning in the early game with, they whiffed it in the fight. So yeah, I'm really confused. It's it's really brutal. Um, and credit to Excel again in the SK game for finding a lead in the early game. Uh -huh. They played much better, even with the scaling composition. That is a strong point for the team. If you're looking at the shining light as, for, as an Excel fan, if you were looking for something to grasp onto to keep the dream alive, it is honestly that early game. Um, the problem is obviously the fight and everything breaks apart, but there's a little, that's like to me, the little tiny glimmer of hope for Excel. That and the fact that they were able to get those first five wins. So they are technically still tied in fifth, but they are... Right now, of the three teams we're going to talk about, they feel the most at risk of, mm. of dropping down in the weeks to come, despite the fact that they are they do have one or two matches that could be called easier. Yeah, so for me, biggest takeaways from Excel, I feel like, like you said to the fans, the biggest thing you have to look at now is their early games are better. So that's a really good sign. The only worry I have is their early games are more macro-orientated, like getting objectives, moving around the map. That's how they get their leads. Whereas I feel like Excel lacked that one person or two people who are just like, okay, screw it, let's go in. Uh, or let's just walk in here, be aggressive, get in their face, you know, yeah. put some pressure on the enemy team. I feel like the enemy team doesn't feel pressure against XL. When I watch the map, no deep vision, no one's forcing engages, trying to be like fake pressuring anyone, uh, pushing in lanes and forcing people to respond in terms of like when it could, when objectives spawn. So yeah, XL just don't have that aggression that uh, most teams have. Uh, I just feel like they're quite quiet. They scale up and then all of a sudden they're aggressive in the late game. So yeah, I want to see the aggression come out earlier. As do I. Uh, another team on this list is Schalke No Fear. Now, last week for them was a bit of a doozy. I would say the loss to Rogue was kind of expected, but the loss to Misfits. Misfits, the other team we're going to be talking about, a team that surged up this week with a with a 2-0 week over two people that they are very much competing with, two people that in this case they're directly competing with, both Excel and Schalke, so that puts mm -hmm. them in pretty good favor. But on the Schalke side of the coin, this week was... A bit disappointing. I think we saw them get their hands on the Renekton Nidalee combo and it ultimately didn't really do anything for yep. them. And I'm just, again, I feel like we have a team who had in the first half of the split pretty clear identity. It was a lot of team fighting. It was very scrappy picks. Mm -hmm. um, and ever since, we've said this before, and I feel like we have to keep saying this because we're still waiting for this element of Shaka to come back, but ever since the Olaf, the Pantheon have been nerfed or or banned against this team more, um, they have looked very, very lost. And this week, again, they pulled out the Nidalee for, for Gilius. And I personally hate the champion in general. I understand she's very good. <laughs> I just like CC in my junglers. That's just the kind of person that I am. Maybe I'm a selfish player like that because I don't jungle. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but I'm just, I don't know. What's your read on this, schedule? Because to me, Chalka, look, again, look like a team similar to Excel that is a little bit lost in terms of finding their identity. And certainly where there was this really confident, really strong execution in so many of these plays, that's part of the reason why they were able to get these wins against G2, why they were able to get these wins against um, Rogue in the first half of the split, now seems to have faded away into, well, not a whole lot, to be honest. Mm. You have to wonder, is the magic fading? I mean, this week, this last weekend... You, you just hate to see it. Like you pick this proactive composition with TF and Olaf and Rennington, and then your first tower dive top, you stun card the tower, botch the whole dive, and then the enemy Gragas gets first blood. So now Broken Blade's kind of out of it in this Rennington-Gragas matchup. And then from there, you're just against a teamfight scaling comp and every proactive play you make is just not working, right? You saw yeah. you saw them trying to use their numbers advantage with TF and Tamkin jeweled behind players like VTO and trying to catch them out. And yeah, the thing is, I feel like Schalke's on the opposite side of XL, where it's like they're playing compositions that G2 and Rogue are playing. They're playing TF Renekton, they're playing um, Olaf and stuff like this. All these aggressive Renekton, Italy, Tristana mid comps. I feel like Schalke are the ones that are trying to pull it off. But this composition, these compositions are very difficult to execute because you don't scale very well. You have to snowball early. G2 make it look easy, I must say. Mm -hmm. And these comps, if you play them to 100% perfection, you will win most of the time. But the thing is, one slip up, one Drake lost, one small catch at Baron, yeah. you've lost the game. I, and it I think falls apart. It's really important in my eyes. As And again, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, because uh, you definitely have more experience than I do in this, character, uh, in this category. But just as a pro player and as a pro team, it's I think it's really important to recognize, especially when you're very close in a playoffs race, what you're good at and what you're weak at, and play to that. Like This is not the time for... I don't want to say it's ego. Like ultimately, I don't know what's going into these shock of pick bands. Maybe they really like this is working really well for them in scrims. But yeah. like, you have a winning formula for the most part, and it's admittedly very telegraphed. And maybe they're just getting exposed in scrims because people have figured them out, and so they're trying something new. But we saw Neon on Kaisa 
90% of his games. This week it was double Senna games. And you can clearly tell that this team is like, oh, not like 100% super comfortable with this man on like not having resources. He was always diving into these fights. The Senna doesn't look as good for them overall. You've got Abadage, who's still getting caught out in side lanes a lot. And so it's, when do we get back to the Jarvan Orianas? You know what I mean? When mm. do we get back to that, which was very simple, very straightforward. And yes, that in itself is kind of a weakness for a composition. But if it worked against G2 and Rogue, you know what I mean? Maybe it doesn't work against them again. They're good teams. They adapt on the fly. But you don't need to beat G2 and Rogue again to make it to playoffs. Yeah. To me, I think you're completely right. An easy to execute mid-jungle. I feel like the last weekend especially, a lot of pressure was on their mid-jungle. Abadag and Gilius, all the eyes were on them when they're drafting TF Olaf and Ren and um, Tristana Nidalee. You're the ones that have to do things right. Broken Blade was out of the game after the botched top dive. And in the game against Rogue, he was against the TF getting dove all the time. So Broken Blade was essentially, I think Broken Blade across the whole weekend had zero kills. If I look at his score here, in total, he's around 0.8. In total, 0.84. Had zero impact. And now that's also credited to his team not unlocking him. And then, like you said, Neon's on Senna every game. And Senna's not a proactive champion. It scales. It's going to be useful in team fights. So you've got your, what was Kaiser diving in the backline Neon, who was carrying fights, and Broken Blade, who was stomping G2, 1v2ing. Both of them were essentially out of the game. They couldn't really impact the game much with the champions that they had and how the game was. Then all the eyes were on Gilius and Abadage, right? And you had Abadage on the Shusana, which was getting caught out. And then Gilius, who wasn't being as proactive as he should be. So I think I would attribute the most of the, the, the last two losses to the mid jungle, um, just for not snowballing the sides as much as they could have. Yes, time at a time you can lead to scale, but Broken Blade having zero kills with back-to-back Renekton games makes no sense because he needs to get active and on the map. But then I also think that Broken Blade's more of a player that's just more self-sufficient on scaling top laners. Things like Camille, Jax, these Aatrox, these champs are just better for him than a champion like Rennington where he has to do something. He has to get something going, otherwise yeah. he loses. And in, when you need to get something going as a top laner, you have to trust your jungle support or mid. So I think just putting him on more Aatrox, Camille, Jax-orientated picks, putting the mid-jungle more on Jarvan Oriana, and keeping Neon on Senna could work if it's working in scrims, but that's my read on Schalke. I think that's what they should pick up. Yeah, I think it's a super fair call out. And frankly, that's kind of the adjustment that I'd want to see. Um, Because this is a team that has, again, beaten top teams, has looked very competitive, has bucked the trend. You know, we've had Gilius, who's looked like he's losing jungle matchups horribly in CS, but then found a couple of clutch engages and instantly turned a game. And those those are the kind of teams that I'm, I like to watch, where they have some clear weaknesses, but they're balanced out by these Mm. really incredible strengths. But that just has not been the case for Schalke in this past week, where it's like, well, the weaknesses are still there. You've still got Gilius falling behind a little bit in the individual jungle matchup. You've still got Abadage getting caught out in side lane. But now mm. none of the strengths are there. Yeah, and you're completely right. Like what I mentioned, how they should adapt is what I believe should change for Schalke. And then the weekend before that was also a similar thing where it's like, it wasn't the whole team playing bad. They just disrespected the Skarner picks. Maybe they were just late on the meta, but they just got stomped by Skarner back to back. Two losses. This weekend, mid-jungle too much pressure or like too much pro- proactive playmaking champs and the side lanes are useless. Zero two again. So I feel like the every single weekend, there's like a trend for why Schalke's losing. Uh, and it's really easy to read into. I hope Schalke doesn't overthink. Oh my God, we're on a five, six game loss streak, whatever it is. We're going to not make playoffs. Just calm down. Get BB back on something that he's really good at. Aatrox, get mid-jungle on playmaking that's more teamfight orientated instead of actually single target damage proactivity. And keep Neon on Senna if it's working or something like the Kai'Sa still is meta. And I think they should be okay. Yeah. And that's the hope for Schalke, right? We take a look again at the same way that we did for um, Excel at their upcoming schedule. They're going to be playing Mad Lions this week, as well as Astralis. So mixed bag in terms of schedule difficulty. But week eight for them, all things considered, is not too terrible. They're going to be playing against Vitality, Excel, and then they're going to be ending on Fnatic. So the Fnatic game should be really hard for them. The Excel win, win over Excel, would be very, very crucial yep. in week eight. But as long as they win the easy game versus Vitality on paper, the on paper easy game versus Astralis, and then they can beat Excel, they're looking pretty good. The bad news is losing to Misfits takes a lot out of their hands, but um, we'll talk about Misfits now because Misfits, the last team that we have to talk about, surging. 2-0 a week, looking good. And let's look at their upcoming schedule. They have to play Astralis. Nice, looking positive for them. Mm-hmm. But then it's G2 in week seven. And week eight, again, mixed bag. Three three games. It's a super week. They have to play Fnatic. Misfits have to play Vitality. So again, most of these teams having two pretty relatively easy games or close games and having um, some more difficult ones. And then uh, their final game of the split is going to be versus Mad. So Misfits very much hold their destiny in their own hands. Yep. Um, and I would say of all the teams that we have right here, they have probably one of the easier schedules, I would think, in, in that they have both Vitality and Astralis. The, and they've already beaten both the teams that they're competing against, they beat them this week in the 2-0, which is Schalke, Nofier, and Excel. So Misfits, 
the runway is set, my dude. Like they are right now. I think they are the, the easiest after this week's performance. The easiest bet to say that they will get this sixth pace slot. Misfits is always about those streaks, isn't it? Loose streak into win streak into loose streak into win streak. So yeah, the two zero weekend was huge for them. I think. Um, and you could see in their gameplay that something's changed. I don't know if it was just Razork in general, but he was playing so aggressive. He was in people's face and he was snowballing jungle matchup. Viteo wasn't on Zoe. He was on things like Ryze and Orianna and he was doing super well. The whole team came together. I feel like one big factor for me as to why the whole team came together was Hirit being on Gregas. I feel like most of the time he's on things like Renekton and stuff like this and he wants to snowball. And as much as I think Hirit is a great player and he's one of the best performing, well, actually one of the best, I think the best performing player on that roster. Yeah. Next to Razork, I would argue. For sure. Like here, here it is absolutely like he's a top four. Actually, it's probably bold to call him top four top laner. But yeah. he's top five top laner, but, no doubt. Yeah, but even having on a tank, it felt like the team could just flow much easier. Like even though here it was weak side half the game, he did his job in fights so well as the main engager, which I think maybe Misfits mm -hmm. lacked in the past, allowing Razork to play carries, Veteo to scale, and their bot lane to get a counter pick. All just because here it is this backbone of just being a tank, which I think works for them pretty well. Well, yeah, and what's fantastic is that because we have Ashley Kang on the broadcast last week and this, uh, this week as well, if you don't follow her, she is a uh, Lolly Sports journalist. She covers League of Legends uh, internationally, mostly covers um, Korea, but also does some interviews with LPL players and LEC players. If you haven't checked her content, seen her content, Horizon is the name of the outlet that she works for. Um, definitely check it out. But she did an interview, translated interview with Hirat, and Hirat talked a lot about how the big thing that changed in day one is that they're finally focusing on and playing through mid lane through vto which you can see has made vto so much mm -hmm. better because this is a guy who was outside of that one zoe game really really underwhelming just generally week to week and at the same time Kabi and vander are this lane that we've kind of constantly looked at and set the expectation that you guys are the veterans you need to step up you know like these are two players who are very strong in their own right but taking it back a step putting them on things like karma ezreal or ezreal seraphine i think the other one yep. was and just letting them hold out on bot lane, you know, build what advantages they can, but not necessarily needing to play through bot lane has unleashed this team, I think. And mm -hmm. it feels to me like maybe the first five weeks where Misfits kind of scrambling, you know, they got some they got some early wins. It felt like maybe they were on the up and up. They thought that they had the winning formula and they clearly didn't as they were immediately fell back down. But now maybe Misfits have found the winning formula. It's playing through mid. It's letting bot, you know, have some pretty solid picks and pretty comfortable picks because the Ezreal, like the bot lane start as a counter pick, but by the next game, they're just like, throw Kavi on Ezreal. Yeah. It works for us. It's safe. It's good. It gets mid prio. It does exactly. everything we need it to do. And it frees up the rest of our players to, uh, in this case, VTO and Razork to pop off. Yeah. It's it's really, obviously, they've probably been skewing whatever they think is the best, but I think that this Senna Tam meta has helped Misfits a lot just because they can counter pick bot with range supports. They, and then the Senna Tam is not proactive. They can't get punished if they're against this lane. So I feel like Senna Tam's only actually worked for G2 so far. Every other Senna Tam I've seen is just kind of losing. Um, but yeah, their counter picks on the Senna is really good. They have like a really good read on the meta, I think. Yeah. Here it's being able to play strong side or weak side is so important to this team. This guy can pick Gragas one game and just go full tank or Scion. Next game, he can pick Renekton and Camille and start to hard carry the game for you. But I think you're 100% right. Playing through mid is what saved this team. I think Razork is... A really underrated jungler i think he is really really good especially when i played against him last year obviously it's a different year now different batch but just from watching his games he seems very confident in his play especially this last weekend and viteo as quiet as he has been i feel like this weekend was a stand-up performance from him on the things like oriana um, and the rise so i think playing through mid is the hardest way to play playing through top is the easiest playing through bot is second easiest and then the hardest is playing through mid because playing through mid requires really good communication requires your support and top to be moving constantly to help you out and it requires you to be able to move to side lanes properly onto your win conditions, right? So making sure you cover Harriet on the top side with your mid-jungle pressure and then moving into bot to try and get some plays going so and controlling Drakes. Um, but I think that this team is interesting to look at now that they just come off this back, this huge upswing. I think Misfits is something that we should get a little bit more hyped about. Be like, okay, is this the Misfits we've been missing? Is this the Misfits that is showing up in scrims? Because I feel like also Harriet, I think he said something along the lines of the scrims weren't they weren't really showing what they were capable of on yeah. stage versus what they were doing in scrims. So scrims are a very different beast to stage because everyone likes to try things out. You can see loads of teams throwing in like Exile with their early game proactivity, Schalke with their TF comps and their Tristana comps, 1-3-1-ing. And now Misfits with this team fight, play through mid-jungle, count pick bot lane, maybe weak side top. Uh, it's been working for them. So I'm excited to see how they do next week for sure. As am I. I think the, the only question that remains for me is they won both these games against Senna Tom Kench, which as you know, 
has negative lean pressure, dive pressure, really anything to be completely I wonder honest. what its win rate is actually. <laughs> yeah, it can't be. I'm not, I imagine it's not very high. Now, it's very good if the enemy picks a melee support because it just stops them from doing anything, which always feels like a positive trade for the Senna, who's just great scaling up. But um, let's see what happens when Misfit's bot lane doesn't just get to lane into Senna Tom Kent. So that's yeah. the last question for me. Not that I don't think that they can, just that to me, that's like the last question remaining before I'm all aboard the, the Misfits to play off. Yeah, you're trade. 100% right. I mean, I remember Kobe getting caught out on Vayne, things like this. <laughs> When his support <laughs> is warding. Bring it, yeah, I bring it up a few times, but just these it's small fine. things are just really huge mistakes yeah. which should never happen. And you're playing against Tam Kench, they have no playmaking. It's impossible to die to it too, I think, personally, when you're playing double range support against Tam Kench, because he just can't do anything to you. It's impossible. He can't even last it. So, yeah, especially when you're playing against these easy mode bot lanes, it really frees up your bot to be able to move to mid. And that's what I think unlocked Misfit. So that's why I'm kind of sold on them not just yet i want to see next week like you said when they're when the bot lane is against something more proactive scary leona something like this rel that they can get engaged on with and then how does their mid jungle manage yeah so again to recap the three teams that we're keeping a close eye on in the playoffs race right now are misfits gaming shalka no fear and excel all teams are tied at five and eight and to recap shalka will be playing mad and astralis this week misfits will be playing astralis and g2 and our last team, Excel, will be playing Fnatic and Vitality. So one hard match, one easier match for both of these lineups this week. Let us know who you think is going to make it to playoffs in the end. Maybe you think it's Astralis. Maybe you're that edge lord. You're like 3-8, straight to the stars, baby. We're to rising back up. If we're missing the team, let us know. But for now, uh, we're going to call it good here. And uh, yeah, we'll do outward transition. All right, so we've talked to SK. We've talked about the three teams struggling for sixth place. Now we have to talk about the incredible banger matchups that we have coming this week. Some of them we've mentioned already, mm -hmm. but I want to hit you with the first one, the big one. It's coming in on Friday. It is the rematch. It is Rogue versus G2. Yep. Give me, just give me a best of five right now. Just give me a best <sighs> of five right now. Oof, okay. Oh, it's, all, it's all that I want. We got to talk about it though, no. because last time they played, uh -huh. I firmly believe both these teams were in S tier. G2 won. I'd say commandingly, despite some really good moments from Larson's Azir that I remember yep. quite clearly. Mm -hmm. Great 1-3-1. One, one. Now, we've seen them absolutely demolish Fnatic mm -hmm. last week. Yep. Is this a game Is this a game where you still believe that both teams are neck and neck? Are they both S tier? Or do you think that there's an S plus for G2 and it's S for Rogue? I think the G2 Rogue first game is a perfect example of how to execute 1-3-1. One, one. And not only that, but the G2's draft would always win in, on paper in, in, like an, in, in an AI game five bots versus five bots g2's draft would always win and now you can see an almost perfect replica of that in the in the actual game itself where it's g2 execute the game so well and they're snowballing the game so hard they make one mistake and now rogue has like life to grasp onto they almost won the game with their team fight comp vein azir of scaled you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now in theory g2's comp should have always won but that was just a perfect example of how two really good teams going at it um shows how those two comps evolve i want to see rogue draft a similar comp to g2 i want to see Nidley versus Lilia. I want to see Renekton uh, versus Aatrox. I want to see like fighting versus fighting. And I think that both these teams are neck and neck still. I think both these teams are equally as good as each other. Um, and I think that the only real advantage, which I've talked about before, which G2 have is if this was on a stage in a best of five in front of a crowd, I think G2 is just naturally favored. But online, stakes are high. Both teams are looking just as good as each other in spring split. Similar comps executed in similar ways. Uh, yeah, I'm... Um, super hyped for this matchup i think whichever team like i think tf is a big pick in this series i think it should be banned out yeah and as a reminder as far as i know crowds are not on the table anytime in the near future now this stuff updates and yeah. changes week to week with covid restrictions but keep in mind cajal saying that does not is not like oh no no I'm not i had, so I had someone like in my mentions like does that mean that's like that's a crowd no like guys we're like pretty far away off yeah. at least in germany i know a lot of other places are, are vaccinating pretty rapidly but like that's the, the most i'll say on the uh, on the covid and audience topic but like this is the if there's a year for rogue to pop off this is uh, hopefully i would say the last year maybe the last season where we need to be really um really restrictive where we don't get to see players play live with a crowd so um now's the time cadrell because that element is time. just not going to come into play i think this is gonna be a really great game i think this is not gonna be like uh maybe g2 fanatic i think that was a bit of a uh yeah so. a strength difference in terms mm -hmm, of the mm -hmm. teams now i think fanatic obvious because fanatic have to rebuild g2 to have all their core members all you do is slot in reckless caps is still as good as caps is all these things and obviously fanatic's only real staples were the jungle top support which arguably doesn't change the team too much but you have new carries new play styles more support mid more hyper carry ad so everything changed for fanatic so i'm excited to see how fanatic progressed throughout the year i think in spice summer i think that, that matchup would be a lot equal a lot more equal perhaps um but right now i think rogue g2 is definitely 
the main event the match if we yeah. do not get a best of five of rogue g2 if we are denied this in playoffs i will be furious i really really strongly believe the finals will be g2 rogue i believe it too and that best of five is going to be amazing to watch because the last time these two teams met it was two three in favor it was two, it was two three for rogue so g2 won the series it went to five games but now it'll be but like, now rogue's just taking it to rogue the next is level so much but g2 now. also took it to the next level as well oh. so these teams are powering up the best of one is a te this best of one is a teaser for what's to come in yeah. the playoffs uh well, yeah and, spe and speaking of playoff teasers that's like the one really standout game on friday but saturday also has two really important games for playoffs it's rogue versus mad at this point we'd say is very rogue favored and the one that we've already mentioned which is fanatic versus sk I, I feel like rogue versus mad there's like there was the el classicos of g2 fanatic but yeah. rogue versus mad is just the undercard of el yep. classico right yep. they both came in at the same time almost well mad lines rebranded both lots of rookie rock rookie players but rogue have just gone like this and mad lines are almost there they're yeah, trying just, to like come on there, let me get there they want to get up there <laughs> they're, they're still, like trying to jump and grab it like they're still fighting on the undercard I'll it's like that honest. meme let me in <laughs> they want to be top three um but yeah i think that's super interesting i think you can you can see how both these teams have evolved in different ways yep uh, but yeah super important for mad lines that game reminder stakes 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 we'll talk about it all weekend long you'll hear it this is the this is the point with five games left for each of these teams where really every win does matter and especially the games where you're playing against your direct competition which in the case of rogue versus g2 for seeding that is just about everything please rogue, come on for the bet fanatic versus sk yeah rogue you better hope rogue oh fanatic sk is also a banger Fanatic SK, ooh, it's going to be spicy. But we'll leave it at that. Now, you can check out the LEC, as always, in the same place that it is. It's 6 o'clock Central European time. Are we summertime now? CET or CEST. Whatever time zone you're in Europe, that's the time zone that we're at. The same time you always watch. LEC mm -hmm. is happening Friday, Saturday. But before we go, a little bonus content for the folks at home. Now, Kendra, we've been playing a lot of uh, solo queue, duo queue, and flex queue together. And with mixed success, I will say. But you are a very high-rated player. Yep. Something that I haven't had a chance to leverage in a while as a, you know, not very high rated player myself. If you want solo Q-tips from me, you are truly yeah, I digging was... into the barrel of despair. But Cadre, on the other hand, has advice to give. And yeah. so I would love love to hear what you have for the people at home for patch 11.4. Yeah, I was top 10 the last three seasons, rank one, season eight. So uh, solo Q is my, it's my favorite thing. You know, I love to dig deep in solo Q, find what the best picks are. And I feel like a lot of people struggle in solo Q because they're either their teammates are inting or their champion they're playing is not good enough you know you're playing vi you're playing warwick you're playing like all these useless champions and i just think that sometimes maybe it's the champion so i'm gonna run through three, three champions in each role of what the highest win rate champions are based on what i think the strongest are so a lot of ch some champions were a little bit higher in terms of win rate but i think that they weren't as useful or a bit harder to execute so for top lane if you're a top laner out there nar riven darius three different champs one tricked him a bit, tried to get good at them. Darius super good in lane. Riven also super good in lane, really good in teamfights. And Nar carries the teamfights in late game. Jungle, Karthus, Udir, Hecarim. Three power farmers will always be strong, will never fall off. Just don't make mistakes. Don't try to gank lanes. Just farm up as much as you can. Get one or two items and you should be able to carry the fights. Mid lane, Talon, Katarina, Cassidin. Disgusting, I know. Talon roaming around the map getting free kills. Katarina one throttling everyone in fights. And Cassidin scaling to infinity. Those are your three win conditions on those three champs. AD carry, Kaisa, Seraphine, and Karthus. Now, Kaisa, explosive playmaker, not a little bit nerfed, still really strong. Seraphine AD carry really helps your team, especially if you have things like Nar, Riven, Darius on top, or Udir, Hecarim, and Jungle. Seraphine fits every comp. Just make sure you don't have too much AP damage on your team. And Karthus, similarly, don't make sure you don't have too much AP damage, but Karthus is almost like Talon in a way. He'll execute people, he'll get free kills. Just look around the map, try to press your R and get some free kills. And then the fifth role, the most broken role, support. <laughs> Thresh, Bard, and Rel. Now, Rel is just the most broken sport in the game right now. You should be able to win lane on her. But Thresh and Bard, two really key champions when it comes to roaming, impacting the map. Try to push out your waves, try to base, run around the map, try to pick up some kills on people who don't expect you to be there, and just roam around the map and be really annoying to the enemy team. So those are my solo key tips. Those are the three champions in each role, which I think you can pick up. Perhaps you might not like one, but you might like the other. And there are lots of different play styles in there, and I think those are the three. Those three champions in each role are the highest win rates, what I think, and easiest to pick up. Yeah, not all champs are created equal, most certainly. But uh, if you guys are ever looking for solo queue advice, Kadrol is definitely the man to go towards. Um, he's had the pro player experience. He's had the solo queue experience. He's got insight on both. And if you, as I do, struggle with having good mechanics, um, might I recommend Bard? Highly, highly recommend <laughs> that one. Might I also recommend Don't Do Riven? If you can't do the animation cancel Riven, on Riven, she's kind of not a champion. Riven is a bit difficult, I must admit. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if you get good at Riven, she's one of those champions where you put time in it's very valuable. Yeah. So figure out what you like. Figure out what you want to play. Kendall's got some excellent suggestions. Small there teaser. For you. 
Riven, yeah. Forbidden, Caps, one-trick Rivens before they went pro. So, one-trick Riven is actually not a bad thing. There you go. I mean, it is very... There's a lot of clicking involved in that champion. A lot of hidden clicking for the stupid animation cancels. Yeah. I can't play that champion, <laughs> if you can't tell. It's too much clicking for me. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of animation cancels, but it's a really interesting champ. Absolutely is. Well, there you go. There's there's some champs for you guys to try out at home. Let us know if you want more solo queue advice. This was kind of just a quick TLDR on champions, but if you want more insight or guides or sage-like wisdom yeah i've been across the world i've been in you know we can can put it here in euphoria you can find it on 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 twitter at cadrel or uh twitch.tv slash cadrel as he as he frequently streams but we don't want you guys to be missing out we know that you care about competitive league of legends and we want to keep bringing you that but we don't want your personal league of legends solo queue climb or if you're just playing with friends and want fun champions to play, we don't want you guys to feel neglected there. So let us know if you want more just general League of Legends content. We can talk about stupid builds, stupid items. Yeah, how to play the map. Maybe how to a play the bit. map. Yeah, we can talk about it all. Questionable mm-hmm. balance decisions. Support role. Support role and how it's Medic. so broken. Most OP. So broken. Yeah, but let us know. Let us know what you want more of here at the Euphoria Podcast. This has been Season 7, Episode 7. I'm Dracos. This is Cajal. We're signing off for the week. And uh, yeah, have a good one. Peace out.